and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 191. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's second season, episodes The 37s, Initiations and Projections. Here we go. The 37s, Season 2, Episode 1, Production Code 120, Original Air Date, August 28, 1995, Directed by James L. Conway, Written by Jerry Taylor and Brennan Braga, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include John Rubenstein as John Evansville, David Graff as Fred Noonan, Mel Winkler as Jack Hayes, James Sato as Nogami, and Sharon Lawrence as Amelia Earhart. Voyager follows an ancient SOS to a Class L planet, whose atmosphere interference requires the ship to investigate on the surface. Janeway leads an away team to discover the source of the transmission, a Lockheed Model 10 Electra, with an alien generator added to, to sustain the SOS. Joining Commander Jacote's team, the crew finds a cryostasis chamber containing eight humans preserved since the 1930s, including Amelia Earhart and her navigator, Fred Newman. We think you were abducted from Earth in the 1930s and brought millions of miles through space to a planet on the other side of the galaxy. You were put into a, a kind of deep sleep for a very long time. Adam, kick us off on the 37s, Voyager's Second season, even though this episode was actually made in the first season. Go! <laughs> Here we go, running! Um, there are things I like about this episode and things I don't. Um, I agree with half of what you just said. Half of what, half of what I just said. I'll start with the things that I really enjoyed, and this kind of goes into the second half of the episode. I enjoyed the scenes with Jacote and Janeway where um, Janeway was struggling with... You know, does she is she forcing the crew on a on a journey that they're never going to complete? And I like that scene where she really is internally struggling, and she's kind of opening up to Jacote about this about can she force the crew to do this? Do Starfleet regulations and protocols to apply this far out? The problem that I have with the episode is getting to that point. You, it's there's no really payoff. You know, um, you know they get there. They find this airplane, they find Amelia Earhart and these other people, and then they have this whole hostage situation scene, which I kind of found was a waste of time. Then we see the other aliens, but we don't really see the city or the civilization that they live in to kind of get a comparison to kind of feel feel what Janeway's talking about, feel what the crew is talking about, like, oh, we really want to stay here. So I, I, even though I really like those scenes with Janeway, I kind of feel like this episode kind of misses the mark on where it was trying to go. This is one of those episodes where I feel the same about it now as I did the very first time I ever saw it. It has a couple of scenes that are cool and cool ideas, uh, but for the most part, it just it just it just constantly is reminding me why it doesn't work. It, it's either preposterously like cheesy or oddly changing tone. I, I agree. It really is weird that we don't see the cities. All of a sudden, it goes from being this, you know, episode about these, this abducted historical figure and aliens to we might stay. This drama <laughs> about should we stay or not? But there's no way to it because they're talking about they just cut. It's like we missed a scene where they experienced this these amazing cities, but they're not there. So we don't actually feel like 
we don't feel that pull for them to stay. What home are you talking about? I didn't see any city, you know. It just feels cheap and rushed. And I'm not used to feeling that way from Star Trek ever. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get any. I think they would have been better served by spending more time on the actual human civilization that was there. And then we could have had that emotional pull that the rest of the cool. I just have a hard time. I know at one point Braga was advocating for this to be like a two-parter and then they could have spent more time. But I I don't know. Even more time. It might have smoothed out that stuff. But you're not going to change the cheesiness of of a, an, an old 30s pickup truck floating in space i mean it's just it's it's kind of dumb and, and i don't their reaction in the cargo bay is i'm sure it's supposed to be played for laughs a little bit but it just it just feels silly maybe i'm an old man cynic here steve yeah. what do you what do you think who's right <laughs> yeah i i agree with what's been said i mean it's it's um the entire prim- the the episode is entirely uh, hinged on us being just awed at oh my god Amelia Earhart and a truck in space in that that, that doesn't no. work. We're going to talk about projections later today. One of my all time favorite episodes of Voyager and the first phenomenal episode for me. So you know I'm not I'm just going to be a downer <laughs> on this one. I promise. So right, right. Well, I mean, you know, it's I guess conceptually, you know. If they would have dropped, and I read about the whole city thing, you know, they, it was as a budget time kind of thing, you know, not showing the cities. But I mean, if if the thing would have been about maybe a random people being abducted and they still managed to fight back and create a human civilization, and we saw that, and you know, this kind of thing, it's, that's different, maybe because it's saying, okay, you know, humanity can still fight back and thrive, you know, somewhere else and despite conditions and so on, but at least half the episode is just trying to get us like, Oh my God, Amelia Earhart, Holy cow. And, uh, this truck and the car will go back. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. And then by the time you get to the, Oh, there's humans here and they've created civilization. They try to like sell that. That's just the incredible part of this. And maybe we want to stay there. You're, you're down to like 15 minutes or whatever it is left in the episode. And it's just, like you said, you don't see the cities. There's nothing. Who cares? You're kind of like, Oh, that's, that's nice to talk about. But, I don't feel anything for it, so whatever, you know. Oh, and the sh- and the ship landing too. It's like that's another kind of like oh, we're supposed to be bowled over by this whole. Uh, we landed. That's another thing that's like a stunt stunt maneuver here. Yeah, well, it's something. It, it sounds really cool on paper, but I don't think it actually looks very good. There's something weird about it. Mm-hmm. Every yeah, time you maybe- see it, it feels weird. Like the proportions are off, or it's 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 only in the background. I don't know. It's it's really cool. This is the first ship that that was really designed to land, uh, you know, a main main ship in in a show. But it just it doesn't feel there's no it doesn't feel real or something. I don't know. That's because they landed it in a dirt field. Maybe if they landed it in these cool cities that we got to hear about, that would have <laughs> been a little bit more visually appealing. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not a. You know, I know who Amelia Earhart is, but I'm not. I'm. I don't know what how what type of person she was, but I kind of felt like she wasn't portrayed very well in this episode maybe one of our our listeners out there knows more about amelia and what her personality was yeah we get a ride in from a 120 year old listener and it's like i remember amelia and she was anything like that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but you you mentioned like that hostage section taking them hostage it doesn't it's just it feels like filler in an episode that already has too much and and that would have should have been you cut yeah. that. Show me a map. How much would a map painting of the city in one little set to cut into right. have cost? Right. Yeah, cut out 
that whole hostage thing. It's just completely pointless, and it makes the characters, including our introduction to actual Amelia Earhart, seem kind of mm-hmm. not very smart, like very, not very intelligent. I don't know. Yeah, you're not you're not blown away by it. You should be blown away by the character Amelia Earhart, not going. Eh, she's kind of not on the ball. Well, what's funny is the time of recording this episode, just two or three weeks ago, or whatever it was, that study came out that <laughs> that this says it's very likely that the bones that some scientists discovered decades ago probably were was her skeleton or whatever. I don't know if you guys read about that, but. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw that. Because they dismissed it at the time for a variety of reasons, and they're rethinking it and reanalyzing it. But anyway. Are you guys like me? Like, you know, I, I think I never really cared for this. I always thought it was a cool idea that made for a cool, like, next week, on next time on Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. And maybe a good idea for, like, a season opener. Maybe that's one of the reasons they held it back. But it just, I don't like it. I don't care for it. I don't hate it. But it's not good. It just has way too many problems, and I find it unsatisfying to watch. What did you like about it, Brian? I like the con- I like one concept. I, I you know I like a lot of concepts. I like the you know I like the idea of seeing the ship land. I just didn't think it worked. I I like the idea of if you're gonna have Amelia Earhart meet one of our captains, yeah, have her meet Janeway. That's really cool. That's a cool concept. But other than that, um, I found it. Just a conflab of Mishmash. ideas we've seen before done better. We've seen the heck. I think we've even, they were even 20th century. We've you know that was like an early next gen episode with the humans in cryo sleep that get awoken. You know we've seen that done. We've seen the the uh, aliens or the the humans that had revolted from the alien. We've seen we've seen everything else in this episode done better and. You know, but I've I've named a couple of things that I thought were cool ideas. Even the the idea of having something set up that's see who decides to stay and and it it feels like, you know, our crew is more cohesive. They've they've chosen to stay together. There's that's worth something. Right. That moment when Chakotay and Janeway walk into the cargo bay and see no one is there and they've all decided to stay on Voyager, that should be worth something. It's such a weird. Tonal. Sh- it's not so much that. It's more like that's not what the episode that you were that you that you were showing me for like the first thirty five of the forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. The first thirty five minutes were this Amelia Earhart yeah. alien abduction y thing, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's this other completely different episode that has nothing to do with that. Yeah, it's almost like they took two or three episodes and took pieces of them and tried to, you know, stick them all together, you Actually, know, and yeah. just yeah, it, it really does feel like that. Well, so have, have do you guys feel the same way? Has has your has your opinion on this episode evolved at all? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Not really. I mean, it was hokey. I thought it was hokey back then. Just still kind of do. Today. It feels like I'm a little more down on it than you guys are. I mean, you don't, you guys don't care for it, but I'm more down on it than you are. I mean, it's not the it's not the worst thing we're going to see in Voyager. That's for sure. Um, and like I said, I mean, I I'd like some of the themes that we've talked about in it. Um, but they just didn't come together very well. So, I mean, it's definitely by by far it's the weakest of the three episodes we'll talk about today, for sure. I remember one of the things I considered when I was designing our podcast, which you know we've pretty much stayed to our formula <laughs> since day one, our structure. And one of the reasons I never changed that is because probably more than any other single thing, I've had 
listeners either write in or leave comments on, you know, in different locations about they like our stru- how structured our episode, our shows are. Um, so I feel like we made the right decisions as far as that. But I remember one thing I considered was like either giving something a review or maybe making it like a real binary thing, like as far as hmm. thumbs up or thumbs down or, or skip it or watch it, that sort of thing. Right. I remember kind of deciding against that because I felt like we like Star Trek too much. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. Why would we ever say skip something? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if we're we're trekkers, we're going to watch it. And regardless, and, and we're not just going to spend an hour bashing everything. <laughs> this watching this episode was one of those things that popped in my mind. Like, I think if you were looking at a short list of Voyager episodes to watch, if you were reading the synopsis, oh, I got to see that one. It's the premiere of the second season. It's Amelia Earhart meets Janeway. Okay. That sounds like must see. <laughs> but if we were doing our little binary thing, this to me would be the perfect example of an episode I would say skip. Well, I think we have uh, over time, we've, yeah. you know, said things like, oh, you know, I could get away with not watching this one again, or I would, you know, I wouldn't, this would be on, you know, we kind of rate them, even if it's not like a number or something like that. We, I think people get the point, you know? See, I don't know. This, this might be, this is the last time I watched this episode until they remaster it in high definition. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe ever then. <laughs> yeah, that might be the last time you ever yeah. saw Yeah, I guess so. Is this episode about anything? Well, I think where we ran into the problem is like, um, you know, like the like you said, the first 30, 35 minutes of the episode is one thing, and then the last half of the episode is about something else. Um, I guess you could kind of say it's about staying together on a shared common goal to get home, you know, and they're all a cohesive. You know, you can kind of say this episode, if nothing else, it's like where they kind of showed their, even the Maquis, and they all decided to stay together um, to... And yeah, and if the episode was the the last ten minutes, that's we could say that's what it was about, and like you know, because that's what we often run into, right? When things that are, you know, that's the kind of the saddest part of when they when they mess the things up is when um, it's like, well, if they'd gone in this other direction, you know, maybe we could talk about what it's about. But it's this lack of focus thing, you know, when you try to go one way and then you shift gears, and you know, it just does just doesn't work. So. Yeah, I don't really have anything beyond that. I think they they could have got there if then if they reworked the first two thirds of it or something, but um, yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for the thirty sevens. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. David Graff plays Fred Noonan, Amelia's faithful navigator. In DS9's fifth season in the episode Soldiers of the Empire, he played a Klingon on a ship commanded by General Martok, who was the first officer. Mm. Was that Worf? You are correct. Adam, John Rubenstein plays John Evansville in Enterprise's first season in the episode Fallen Hero. He plays a Maserite captain, one of many people... Who would like to take care of the ambassador that Archer is instructed to transport? And by take care of him, I mean do something bad to them. What species is the ambassador that Archer is transporting in the first season's Fallen Hero? What species does um, Rubenstein play? No. What species is the ambassador? The ambassador. Um, 
Maybe the best episode in the first season or second best. I don't know. I'm trying to piece it together. It's been a long day. Um, Let's just say Vulcan. Yes, sir. Vulcan. <laughs> All right. One to one. Moving on. Initiations. Season two. Episode two. Production code 121. Original air date September 4th, 1995. Directed by Winrick Colby. Written by Kenneth Biller. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Aaron Eisenberg as Carr, Patrick Kilpatrick as Razik, Tim Dazarn as Haliz, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. To commemorate the anniversary of his father's death, Commander Chakotay takes a shuttlecraft to perform the Pakar, a ceremony. Inadvertently straying into Kazon Ogla space, he is attacked by a young Kazon named Carr on his first mission. Destroying Carr's vessel, Chakotay beams him aboard. Chakotay later learns from Carr that Kazon earned their name through conquest or death, and he has robbed Carr of that opportunity by saving his life. You want me to kill a child in front of other children? What would it accomplish? It will teach these little boys an important lesson. And after you do that, you'll be free to go. Steve, kick us off on initiations. All right. Uh, yeah, so this one for me is most memorable as the one where Aaron Eisenberg's in it, you know, when he's most recognizable from Deep Space Nine um, as, as Nog. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's not it's not bad or whatever, but... Um, it felt like a lot of things to me were just kind of, we've seen this kind of thing before. Um, it's pretty predictable in some ways. Um, and i frankly, I think I'm, I got sick of the Kazon a long time ago already. You know, it's kind of, I don't know. It's just, um, it's like an, it's almost like a, a variation on Klingons in some respects, but kind of slimy or something. I, I don't know. And so I just kind of get, uh, you know, it doesn't really do much for me, but, um, you know, I think I think there there are some good things in there, and the performances and uh, the interactions, and um, so it's, it's something different. You know, we don't see a lot of Chakotay featured episodes in the grand scheme of things, and so um, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. I remember at the time Voyager was first airing that I got that I quickly got sick of the Kazon and. It never made sense to me because Voyager is going, you know, quickly mm-hmm. in one direction. They should have left their space. After a while, it's, it gets kind of silly. But there are enough cool episodes with them coming. I mean, I remember a couple of the big ones coming up that I do like. So, but uh, this, yeah, this is an episode. It, it's a good example of. It's a perfectly serviceable episode. It's fine. But it's so forgettable that even as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I remember this episode. You know, I mean, it's – Adam, your first thoughts on initiations? I think I'd pretty much agree. I mean, it's a it's a fairly simple, straightforward episode. It's funny. We all agree on the Kazon. I never really cared for them either as um, as a villain. I mean, you know, we'll get some – We'll get some, like you said, we'll get some decent episodes coming through. And then I don't like their ships. I don't know if that's just kind of me, but their ships are just this, like this big bulky. Yeah. They're just a, a weird species. And yeah, I just never really, yeah, I never really cared for them as, as a, vil, as a villainous um, part of Voyager. But um, the Vidians are, are the more unique, you know, we go yeah. from Vidians to eventually 
the Borg and Species 8472. But I think the Vidians are sure. I mean, they're they're the, they're probably the most in in unique villains that Voyager has, and they're certainly they're they they have the potential to be the most horrific, uh, frightening of of all villains. But they just I don't know. They seem to just keep going back to the Kazon. I mean, I guess the Kaza, I mean, they're pretty simplistic. I mean, you know, they're this kind of, I guess they're a kind of a warrior class. Species. Yeah, but like if I if I asked you guys, define the Klingons, the Klingon culture. I mean, you would tell me that in a heartbeat. Uh, Romulans, I think you could do it. Not as clearly as the, as the Klingons, but you could definitely do it. You could definitely do it with the Cardassians. You can 100% clearly do it with the Borg, you know, the list goes on. If I ask you to, to define, you know, give me the defining characteristics of the Kazon. I mean, what would you even say? What would you say that's different from the others the people that I've named? I, I don't, I don't even know. Well, and for me, it's also kind of hard to believe that they're um, space voyaging people, but just because, you know, you know, they're, they're clans and they're warring with each other. It just doesn't make a lot of sense that they'd be out in space. You know, you actually have to build things. I know this kind of get a little bit deeper. You actually have to build things and kind of have an economy and they're not very, they're not a very cohesive type of society. Well, we, and I don't know if we learned about it before, but we learned in this episode that they were abducted in 1937 and then overthrew their captors. No. No, not that first part, but definitely they were like slaves or something, right. and they overthrew the people that were enslaving them, you know, controlling them, and took their technology and stuff. So I assume that like the ships and stuff belonged to whoever it was that they overthrew. Well, then they should have played off that more because what what you get is like so many things in common with Klingons. You know, you have tribes and clans and houses. I mean, you know, this kind of vibe. There's some sort of code involved, yet, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, duplicit activities and so on and so forth. And it's, it's just, and yeah, you, I have trouble buying that they're, that they're a big threat, you know, um, it just doesn't feel, I mean, yes, against one Federation ship, but I don't know, it's just not enough. They're not just not interesting and different enough for me. I mean, when really we get the interesting um, Kazon episodes through Seska and she's Cardassian. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, and you, obviously the betrayal of Chakotay and then there's a child and all that. So we get a lot of fun drama with Seska. I wouldn't really necessarily say that, um, has anything to do with the Kazon. She's just, she actually made them more interesting than, than anything. Well, this episode does, I mean, there's a couple of things I like about it. I, I like that it, it obeys that old screenwriting rule of changing the location frequently, so it kind of keeps it moving. It mm-hmm. feels like it's always moving. I, I, I've definitely seen, we feel like we've seen this episode probably before, but other times that I can reference it, like them being in the cave that overnight, there would have been five times as much of that stuff, right? I do have written down in my notes, the silliest part of this episode was um, Chakotay trying to return car. You know, he's this little shuttlecraft and he's up against this big Kazon ship. Hey, I'm just going to return him and be on my way. I just blew up his ship. See you guys later. I didn't, I just kind of found that silly. Like he thought he was just going to be able to drop off this kid and fly away. I wanted to know, like, clearly 
the Kazon are telling the other Kazon sects and stuff all about Voyager, right? But they're so, like, at odds with each other. How do they communicate that, right? Do they have just, like, um, you know, Skype calls? Just here's the weekly update. I don't, I don't know that that it, it was it was just a funny thought to me they're because they're not using like some you know database system are they I, what is that? how does that work yeah. I mean this is supposed to be a different sect right a different sect than whoever was uh, at the caretakers in the Ocampus planet yeah I think we've established that the Kazon are kind of a a goofy group. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm just reaching, trying to find something to talk about. But there was a moment when my modern eyes were watching Chakotay. And of all people on the ship, uh, of all characters on Voyager, he almost seemed like he, I don't know, was maybe placing his own value system a little bit on the Kazon and telling Carr yeah. what he believes, not just to be a different way, but a better way to think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess you must you had a little bit of that sense too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um well, you know, in a way, the farther back you go, I mean not not it's not a linear relationship, but there's a correlation, I think. The farther back you go in Trek, you know, the more you see uh the main characters putting some kind of putting their own value system on alien races, and I think that's just a reflection of the times. Um in a sense, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with that observation. So this episode might be a little different if it were done today. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Did you guys remember this episode? Yeah, like I said, mostly because of Aaron Eisenberg, you know. Yeah, and he was, he, you know, he was fun to watch. I mean, kind of, we kind of down this episode, but I mean, I like the uh, they had good chemistry. Him and Chakotay had good um, chemistry. Thought it was their back and forth, and their dialogue was good. So. I thought Eisenberg did a, a really good job. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I read some of the critiques at the time that people thought it was obvious just because his voice is exactly the same, but come on. I mean, the, all these people replay, that's the whole point of our six degrees questions. Right. You know, the only reason we do that, we can do that is because so many of the same actors play different parts. Everybody has a distinctive voice if you just heard him on the <laughs> do the other thing. Right. I thought he did great. What's the episode about? Come, it's kind of, it's almost of a kind of a coming of age episode. You know, he, you know, you know, Carr. He, you know, kind of becomes a man. He gets his name, his title, um, and he also gets to learn about other cultures. Well, him and Chakotay kind of enemies. You know, the enemy mind type thing. They're enemies at first, and then they actually help each other in the end. So yeah, I think um, I think I think it could have been. There's probably a few choices they could have made to make it um, better, but I think maybe what it's talking about is the that you know there's just different ways of doing things. You can't make assumptions that there's one best way, and uh, sometimes you can you know still have you can still have mutual respect um, between different cultures uh, while. Um, and uh, you can still have this mutual respect, even if uh, you don't always agree with every every single thing they do or way of life, other way of life, and so forth. So something like that, maybe. But I, th- I think they could have they could have done a better job of certain things to get to that conclusion, probably.
All right, let's do six degrees for initiations. Steve, I'm going to give this one to you since you mentioned it first. Aaron Eisenberg plays Carr, the young Kazan. He's better known for playing what DS9 character? Nog. Adam Patrick Kilpatrick plays the Kazan leader, Kazik. Kazik. <laughs> it didn't occur to me until I'm, I'm like looking at the words together like Kazan, Kazik. Right? I mean, that'd be like a human. A human's name was um, Humit. Or something. I don't know. Uh, he played <laughs> he played a human soldier along with Eisenberg's Nog in a DS9 episode. Finish the title, the blank of AR five five eight. I'm looking for the word that goes where the, I said blank. The blank. That's not part of the episode title. The blank of AR five five eight. What's the missing word? Uh, episode titles. I'm so good at them. Um. I don't know. Sanctuary? Steve? Uh, siege? Siege. Yes, sir. The Siege of the AR558. Yeah. I think that's... Is that the one where Nog loses his leg? Um, yeah, maybe so. I, I think... Right. I feel like okay. it is. All right. All right. Uh, two to one. Moving on. Projections. Season 2, Episode 3. Production Code 117. Original air date, September 11th, 1995. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Written by Brennan Braga. Music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Dwight Schultz as Reginald Barkley and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. The Doctor is activated due to Red Alert. Despite the computer's assertion that nobody is aboard Voyager, Belana Tora soon arrives in sickbay. She informs the doctor that the ship was attacked by the Kazon and that all except herself and Captain Janeway have abandoned ship. After treating her injuries, Torres transfers the doctor's program to the bridge using newly installed holographic emitters. None of this is happening. This is all a holographic simulation that you've been running. What are you talking about? You're in the holodeck at the Jupiter station. Your name is Dr. Lewis Zimmerman. You're a hollow engineer and you've, you've been running a, a program that's malfunctioning and we've been trying to reach you. Projections. I cannot describe how blown away I was the first time I saw this episode. I remember it very clearly and I remember just being awestruck at this episode. In a way, you know, when you think about like duet at the end of DS9's first season. I thought it was very good and I really liked it a lot. But that's an episode where I think I had to be a little bit older to appreciate it even more. And as the years have gone by, I've appreciated it even more. And now I really respect it for the, you know, incredible feat that it is. Projections was the kind of episode that just blew me away at that moment, at that age, at that time. And it was so unlike most of the other stuff. I, I really felt like it was it was unique. I've seen it, you know, compared to like frame of mind, next gen and stuff. But even that I don't think is quite, I, I think quite fair. I think projections is, is really feels unique and in, in a way that it, this, there's no way this sort of thing could have been done on a different show. You know, that they took it, he took Braga, right. He took such good advantage of who the doctor is, not just that he's literally a hologram, but kind of who he is as a, as a character. So maybe this episode, while still absolutely amazing and my favorite episode from the 
first couple seasons, I'm sure. Maybe it isn't quite as knock my socks off as it was the first time I saw it. But I still just adore it. And I think it's so clever and intelligent and so much fun to watch. And even after you get past all the cleverness and the intelligent writing and stuff, something that totally still holds up, too, is Robert Picardo and Dwight Schultz together. Their chemistry is so perfect. (laughs) I think they are amazing together. I would watch 10 episodes in a row that was just the two of them. What are you guys' first thoughts here on projections? Um, yeah, Brian, I would definitely agree. It's um, it's a excellent episode. It's clever. Um, it I like kind of how it takes a theme that we've probably seen in in Star Trek before. You know, a character that's in a situation that's not real that they don't know is not real. We've we've seen that before through Star Trek, but this does it in a unique way because we have this character. Um, we're only in the first couple of episodes of the second season. So I wouldn't say he's exactly established yet. We don't really know who the doctor is. And so to do this kind of episode where, where he is having to explore his own humanity and his own existence and who he is, um, it's unique just because he is a hologram and we don't even know what he is at the time. You know, it's easy to think of, say Janeway going through this in her quite, but we know she's human. We know she's a person. Um, Whereas this one is able to do it with a hologram questioning who he is, what he is and what his place is. Um, And it's, and it's very clever and we'll talk more about that later, but those were some of my first impressions. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that they, uh, that it's so much fun to watch those scenes from caretaker redone from a different point of view. Steve. You know, I think, yeah, I think if if it was just any character, you know, an, another character in some kind of um, mystery type episode where it's either a holodeck thing or some kind of mind game where you're trying to figure out what reality is, it would be entertaining, but it wouldn't be that different from things we've seen. But if anything, over time, I, th- I mean, I think I think I, I enjoy this even more now than I think I saw it the first time, and I, th- I think it's I think it's because of that that layer of in a, in a way the doctor is, he's creating all this himself. It's kind of like if you were trapped in your own dream and you get insights into all of those things that, that at your core you think about and prioritize and worry about that you can't really focus on and identify in just dated when you're just day to day going about, going about your business. Right. And, and, you know, and again, here we are that I lead to, we're already that kind of what it's about thing and talking about good episodes, you end up inevitably talking about what they're, what they're about uh, without even trying because it's, it's, it's entertaining because of all the, that it's, it's crafted well and put together well, but at the core, you're talking about, you know, someone in, you know, trying to understand their own existence and their own purpose and doing it in a unique way that only really works for that character. So I think, I think, uh, I think that's that's why it's so good. I remember the the moment that Janeway tells the computer to deactivate all the holograms and then she she disappears. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of moment that uh-huh. yeah. that it was just like goosebumpy good. You know, I I think that like the people as they're making this episode that you know they're so deep into it. They're mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's got to be hard for them to imagine what it's like for us to consume this stuff some of the time. You know. 
Yeah, that's the kind of moment that mm-hmm. that works so well. There, there's so many great little things. I, I love when the doctor first goes to, which, by the way, just seeing him actually leave sickbay for the first time really was neat. But when he goes to save Neelix, and Neelix is saying, like, the way Neelix is acting what's it like to stare death in the face Kazan you know it's it's like a comical version of a comical already comical character but we know that is not how Neelix would really act <laughs> if he was mm-hmm. being shot at by a Kazan so it's 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 just off kilter enough that it's just a it's a smaller thing that's that's less obvious to make the to make this whole reality feel just like off uh, but it's that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy the the first time you see Barkley, which I almost wish, I mean, we, we would have seen the, I don't remember this, but I'm sure I would have seen the, you know, next time on Voyager trailer. And I'm sure I would have seen Barkley and realized he was going to be in the episode, but how cool would it have been if you didn't know that or, but even, but you know, at the beginning of the episode, it says in huge text starring, you know, uh, Dwight Schultz says Barkley or, you know, it would be neat if that wasn't there, I guess is what I'm saying. That, that would be fun. But, you know, he doesn't even come into the episode until it's almost half over. But you don't think of this episode as that. You think of Barkley, you know, as, as far more significant. Um, but it's so great the first time he shows up. And like I said, I love their their chemistry is so amazing. This episode does a, a great job of, like, obeying its own logic. Like another another little moment whenever the Doctor is about to destroy that... <sighs> Is it looks like like a power th- supply for the holographic emitters on Voyager? But he's in engineering. He's about to shoot it. And he says, "Oh, if I destroy this, I'll destroy right, right, all the holographic systems on Voyager or something." And Barkley says, oh, "Well, except for me, I'm being projected from outside the simulation." You know, you know, there's just that little that little throw like throwaway line that's just like uh-huh. it's just very very consistent with itself. Yeah. Well, even the line after that is like, you know, because you know, the doctor said, well, the whole ship should be gone. And he's like, well, no, you destroyed the holographic power emitter that's inside the ship, you know, so it's very... Inside a holographic yeah. simulation. Yeah. Um, and then I love the extra little, like, horror movie, <laughs> you know, comeback thing where uh, you think he's okay and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kess is... Oh, so you, you don't really love me? And then Barkley like comes back into the frame. We don't even cut. He just walks right in. <laughs> it's really good, you know. It's um, Jonathan Frakes. I think did a great job directing this episode. But if I have one minor minor complaint, even saying complaint sounds too strong, but it's that maybe the Doctor ultimately doesn't have much agency. If for so much of it, it's about trying to get him to make a decision one way or the other. But in the end, he doesn't really get to make a decision or have an effect. He's just, I guess he delays it a little bit, which is some uh, somewhat you can consider agency. But in the end, you know, he's just, he's he's woken up from it all. Um, but that's a very, very minor, minor critique. Right down to the final moments. It's like you were saying, Steve, how when it's a good episode, you know, it, the, what it's about is is so ingrained in the plot and so effortlessly uh, that you can't even talk about it without discussing what it's about. But, you know, right into those last moments when Kess says, are you sure about that? Talking about, you know, when he says he knows who he mm-hmm. is and where he is and what he's doing. And, and then we get that nice little visual bit of him going and sticking his arm through the door to make sure that it, <laughs> to make sure that it <laughs> disappears. 
So yeah, I I I adore this episode. Uh, this would be on my very short list of. I mean, if, let me rephrase that. <laughs> if I was making a very short list of Vo- must-see Voyager episodes, this would be on it. And it's funny that this episode was actually made for the first season and then just held back for season two. That that's not true of um, initiations. Initiations was the first episode shot for season two, but they held back. Four episodes from season one, the 37s yeah. projections, and then a couple that I think we'll discuss next time that were all bottle shows. Right. Hmm. Projections was a first season episode, which is pretty remarkable. Maybe they should have ended with that one. So we've talked about it a little bit already, but you want to sum up uh, what, what it's about? Um. Yeah, I mean, we, we think we've touched on it on, enough. I mean, you know, it's about... <laughs> A lot of it for me was about, you know, knowing oneself and who you are isn't necessarily what you think it is. You know, it's, you know, Kess kind of summed it up there where he was so confident he knew his place, he knew who he was and what he was supposed to do, but does he really? I mean, you know, because he's grown so much from his original programming and we'll see him grow so much throughout the whole show that he becomes more than what his initial programming is. And so it's learning about yourself through yourself yeah and i think that um it's also is a a little bit of one of these that you sometimes learn things about yourself um under duress you know when you when things are when you're either you know like these kind of like dream states or when you're in a crisis situation you know you you certain things come come to the forefront and you uh, learn key elements about yourself and and sometimes you it raises questions and uh, it's complicated you know that and so um, but yeah I, I think it's it's about the exploration of oneself and and oneself especially when you know, under uh, under extreme circumstances and so forth I gotta point out too that this episode has some like laugh out loud moments I talked about Schultz and Picardo's chemistry, like when he slaps him and look on his face, their chemistry is so good. Mm-hmm. There's other stuff too. There's a bit that really made me laugh out loud whenever he's the doctor is like kind of remembering the different things that happened. Oh, this is that, this is that. And then you think he says to Kim, and you're developing legions on your chest <laughs> or something. You know, and Kim's <laughs> like, what? He goes, oh, no, no, that's not yet. That's a couple days away. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's really fun. Really great. All right. Let's do six degrees for projections. Uh, Steve has two. Adam has one. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Dwight Schultz plays Barkley. In what season of Voyager will he again play Barkley? When's he going to come back? He's going to come back for multiple episodes. What season is the first time he comes back? Um, season six. You got it. All right, Steve, you guys are tied. See if you can win it for the day. All right. How many times will he play Barkley in Voyager? Five, six, or seven? Mm, boy. Uh, five. Yep, five. Steve takes it for the day. All right, we did projections. It's all downhill from here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, folks. 
Um, I'm glad you've stuck with us. And, when the, and so now we've been able to kick off the second season of Voyager. And now I look forward to continuing it in two weeks when we do the next three episodes of Voyager's second season. So until then, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Also, I haven't said this in a while. If you go into iTunes and you rate us, give us five stars. If if you really want to, you can even leave a comment. But uh, those five-star ratings, that's how people find us if you like us. Uh, that's that's the main reason that's the main way that people find us on iTunes but uh, so thanks again for spending an hour with us and until next time take it easy bye guys see ya I passed it.